This podcast was produced by ORFM Dunedin with support from New Zealand On the Air. Otago Access Radio, in partnership with Otago Polytech, brings you Blowing Bubbles. Blowing Bubbles brings you positive conversations with people in their bubbles around the world. How are people living their bubble lives? Working from home, keeping kids entertained, and staying connected and getting exercise. And how are these things presenting us with the opportunities to find new ways of living? Every weekday, the Sustainable Lens team of Samuel Mann, Shan Gallagher and Mara Karatai reach out from their bubbles to chat with interesting and positive people around the world. Broadcast on Otago Access Radio 105.4 FM and streamed and podcast on oar.org.nz and sustainablelens.org. Bringing connection, joy, kindness and peace in the days ahead. Welcome to Blowing Bubbles, positive conversations with people in their bubbles, their safe spaces around the world. I'm Samuel Mann in Sawyer's Bay, Dunedin, and I am joined in Fakatani by Mawera Karatai. Kia ora, Mawera. Kia ora, Sam. How's it going? It's going very well indeed. It's gone past the middle of the week. Yay. And I'm, I am nowhere near halfway through the list of things I had to do today or this week. Remember what I told you about those lists? You pick the most important one, take ages to do it, and give the rest away to someone else. Yep. That sounds like a great plan. If only there was (laughs) someone else to give the list to. (laughs) And we are joined from Cadrona by Martin Curtis. Welcome, Martin. Yes, good good evening. How has your bubble life been? It's been uh, absolutely uh, brilliant. As far as we're concerned, I mean, we we moved to Cadrona 44 years ago when no one had heard of it, and it was a, it was a dead end valley basically, very quiet. Nobody lived here particularly, and uh, over 44 years, it's turned into a major highway with thousands of truck cars a day. And quite frankly, the seven weeks lockdown was just wonderful. <laughs> it was back, back to the Cadrona that we moved into, and we'd sort of almost lost, you know. The, did it um, did it get busier again with the when New Zealanders oh, yeah, were allowed it, to travel? It's frenetic again now, but but for for seven whole weeks. I mean, I met my wife in a cycling club in Britain in in 50, over fifty years ago, and the last few years our bikes have been in the shed, but we haven't used them. But for every day for the the lockdown period of level four and even level three, we um we took our bikes out on the on what's now called a highway and we rode a few k's down the road and a few k's back and it was just lovely (laughs) (laughs) you know i felt i felt 20 years 30 years younger again not not that i feel old anyway but (laughs) so are you uh you're you a skier you're certainly used to be a a mountain person i'm a i'm a mountaineer i love i love climbing but i i took up skiing pretty late in life when when the cadrona ski field opened in 1980 something rather I was contracted to run the public transport bus service up and down because I was a school bus contractor in the valley at that time. And, um, and so I learned to ski. Um, well, basically, I was never taught by anybody. I just put skis on on the top of Mount Cadrona and, and headed down. I mean, I'd been a mountain guide in various countries before, so I, I knew what snow was, but I'd never ski. But um, after, after a couple of descents where I got rather covered in snow, <laughs> I... Um, I sort of got the basic hang of it, but uh, but I, I don't really go out skiing an awful lot. I like ski mountaineering, uh, ski touring, you know, with um, going out with a set of skins and, and just going in wild country. I I get somewhat bored on ski fields, to be quite honest. I'm not I'm not into the hype. 
So what did you fill your, your lockdown days with? It, it, well, it ended up, uh, for one thing, I caught up on quite a lot of reading and I even did jigsaw puzzles again, but we, we did have a, a, a lot of jobs on the back burner, which I had never had time to, to get onto. And, um, and one of them, I look after the historic buildings in Cadrona, the Cadrona Hall, which was built in the 1880s, and the, the original old historic church, which was even older. And I'd, I've done a lot of the maintenance over the last 20, 30 years anyway, but we were due a major repaint of the old church. It was starting to look a bit shabby. So the autumn weather is so delightful in central Otago. You know, we get lovely days. Uh, that I, uh, with, with the um, approval of the committee, I set to uh, and repainted the entire church, which took me about a month. So that, that really kept me out of mischief for quite a lot of the time. Just most afternoons, I didn't do it all day. But, and, um, and the other thing is I had a major project to do on, um, on my garage in my house, which has never been finished since we built the place nearly 40 years ago. So <laughs> that got done as well. <laughs> I, I finished about two or three weeks ago, actually. So, so it was really good to have time with no pressure. And you are famous for being a folk singer. Yeah, uh, well, I, I did earn my living um, nearly 20 years, not as a full-time folk singer, but certainly I, I was doing it professionally, and I, I toured the UK 15 times in, in that time. So, so um, yeah, I, you know, some people know what I do. I'm not particularly, but if it wasn't for national radio, I'm not sure that many people would have heard of me. But And you organise the Cadrona Folk Festival? They don't anymore either, but... <laughs> You run the Cadrona Folk Festival? I do. And now that's been running non-stop for 44 years. And even at this late stage, it happens at Labour Weekend, which is, what, seven weeks time now. I have no idea whether it's going to happen or whether it isn't. Because, quite frankly, I can't run it in level two. Because um, I know we, in the South Island at the moment, we're allowed a crowd of 100. Well, the hall only seats 99, but... You're supposed to be two metres apart, and there's no way it can work. And I, I run the festival single-handed, so I, it's bad enough running the festival without trying to control that sort of thing. So I, I've basically got it on hold at the moment until the the, the, the level drops and, and, and things are free to virtually be back to normal, as we were a few weeks ago before the, the second wave hit Auckland, actually. So now, one sure of the things you that you have done over lockdown is released a CD. I have, yes, yeah. It was it was a CD. We we finished it before um, the lockdown. In fact, I I went up to Christchurch in January and finished mixing and mastering it with Graham Wardrop, the Christchurch guitarist. He's he's pretty well known over the world. Actually, he's a very very good engineer, and he he does the technical stuff on all my own CDs put out over the years. But this was a CD of a, a very, very good friend who unfortunately passed away four years ago, Marcus Turner. And I've always been a great fan of Marcus's songs. I think he's one of the most wonderful songwriters, not just in this country, but quite frankly, in all my my travels and performances around, particularly the UK at folk festivals and folk clubs and wherever, I, I haven't come across such well-written songs by anybody that matches up to Marcus at his very best are just phenomenally good. And not just as a songwriter, but as a performer. And as a musician, I mean, he played just about every instrument you can name under the sun. And if he'd never played one before and you presented with something obscure, he'd be playing it within a week or two. Yes. <laughs> yeah. 
And so you you stumbled, or it, it, you knew the recording existed, did you? The the recording from the yes, from the Cadrona Festival. At the Cadrona Folk Festival in two thousand and fourteen was when Marcus was one of my two major guests, and um, with Marcus's permission, the 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 concert he gave was videoed, and luckily the the cameraman put the video. Uh, sound through the sound disc in in the Corona Hall, so it was it came out as very very good quality. But it wasn't it was never intended for release as a CD. But it was only a couple of years after Marcus passed away in 2016 that I was listening to this most of the tracks on this video recording on Vimeo, and it it just struck me that it was so sad that when Marcus died, he was just about to. Re- start recording a new CD because he's only ever put out two solo CDs and he's got a phenomenal number of songs that were not recorded and he was about to sort of rectify that and uh, the more I listened to this uh, or watched this video on my computer where the sound wasn't good but in actual fact um, you know the performance was just absolutely stunning I thought you know this is a fantastic memory of Marcus and uh, as an added bonus uh, 13 of the 14 tracks were ones that he'd never recorded either. So um, the idea came to me that, you know, um, this really, at some stage in the future, should be put out as a CD if if the, the Turner family were quite happy with that. And in the end, we, we came to uh, an arrangement where they were. So um, this, this last few months, it's been all go with... Um, Putting the uh, putting the recording well, it was a lot of work, um, and everybody who's been involved has done it totally free of charge, just out of respect for Marcus and his music. And um, we we had to spend several days in Graham Wardrop's studio editing because, as I say, there was a it was a live recording, and there was all sorts of blips and stuff that wherever possible we could fix, which we've done, and enhance the sound because it was recorded um, completely cold sterile there was no uh, no reverb or anything on it it was and graham with his technical expertise just produced what was a very very acceptable sound and judging by the response since the cd was released near the end of lockdown because i didn't do anything about it but once we finally got it produced in fact was when the country shut down so there was nowhere for the the cd to be played or or sold at folk clubs and festivals and all marcus's friends around the country or people that use music so it never really got released until well two or three months ago <laughs> and um the response that i gather from from marcus's brother linus is that has been phenomenal i mean certainly the the people that have got copies from me have emailed me and said that they just think it's great. And I, I always thought it would be. I think it, it's a really great um, tribute to a wonderful musician and a wonderful singer-songwriter. It really is a treasure. And the sound is quite incredible. I'm glad you think so. As I say, it's a, it was a lot, lot of studio work involved in, in doing that. But, but we, we didn't have a lot to play with because it was a, it was a live recording, so we couldn't remix anything. It was there. We we just had to deal with what we'd got. Um, but it, I I thought it came up very very well. It, it's obviously a live recording, and in some respects, I think it makes it very very refreshing because I've always liked live recordings that are done on good machinery, good good quality recording gear, and they can transport you into thinking that you are actually at a concert. <laughs> he has such a good interaction with the audience. 
He really That's does right. take people on a journey. So it's fantastic to have the, that the as well. The unfortunate part is that the, the, the cameraman didn't start the recordings until he basically finished his intros and started the song. So we didn't have a lot of that to play with. Oh, no. But, but we've kept as much as we could. <laughs> so let's take so, one of them. Let's, shall we start with Boy from Dunedin? Well, that that is one of my favourite songs. I mean, um, yeah, I, I mean, it's obviously about Marcus himself. I, I presume it is. It must be because uh, he. I know he went overseas for a month, for a year or two. But th- there's some lines in that song that I think are absolutely wonderful. <laughs> Neath the sky filled with grey And the wind from the Maungatu was freezing He checked in his bags Kissed his mum, hugged his dad Said goodbye to the friends there to see him And they stood in the rain As he boarded the plane And they sang him away At his leaving And it hurt him to go that was two years ago Now the boy's coming back to Dunedin Now he's been overseas And he's gained his OE And he's sunbathed on tropical beaches He's worked fixing cars He served drinks in bars Done time in the slum as a teacher At the Oktoberfest He got pissed with the rest Beyond care, beyond sense, beyond reason But he couldn't forget The one that he left When the boy turned his back on Dunedin Now he sips at his tea and looks down at the sea And the white braided rivers below him Timaru passes by as he wings through the sky And he wonders if she'll want to know him It's been a grand time and the living was fine But alone it's a life without meaning He knows what she's worth He gave up the earth And the boy's coming back to Dunedin Father moans in a weatherboard home On a hill overlooking the ocean The wife's on the prowl With her face in a scowl And she's making a bloody commotion For heaven's sake, Bert You're not wearing that shirt The taxi's arrived and we're leaving But she won't really care Her heart's light as air 
Her boy's coming back to Dunedin A young woman stands With her head in her hands All adrift on the sea of her feelings She's been filled with concern Since he said he'd return And she doesn't know what to believe in She remembers the night When they had their last fight And the words that left both their hearts bleeding And she doesn't yet know If she's ready to go To the boy coming back to Dunedin Dunedin at last The harbour rolls past He can't see his house But he's trying Please make sure your tray Is stowed safely away Fasten seatbelts And thank you for flying Then he looks once again On the tidy plain And at once all his fears Are receding is unknown but it's good to be home and a joy to be back in Dunedin The word got about they've all gathered out with a cheer and a beer and a greeting and he's pleased and he's proud as he smiles at the crowd but he can't see the face that he's sinking Then he turns round once more And she bursts through the door With tears in her eyes as she sees him She squeezes him tight There'll be no sleep tonight Her boy has come back to Dunedin Her boy has come back to Dunedin very much there's there's one line in it i can't remember um towards the end of the song where marcus has written uh about the parents getting ready to go to the airport to, to meet their boyfriend needing who was coming home and it says for goodness sake bert you're not wearing that shirt and i thought good lord did marcus ever know my mother <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, things like that. I mean, it was just such a well-written song, and uh, and it, it yeah, it's, it's very much. I mean, Marcus is the boy from Dunedin, obviously. So. Obviously, and he had he has such a um, an incredible way of setting up rhymes that he doesn't follow through on. Yes, yeah, his songwriting. I mean, there's such a huge variety is that he doesn't follow any set pattern. Most of my songs tend to follow a very similar pattern to previous ones, but. Marcus is, they don't. I mean, he, 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 I mean, you compare something like The Boy from Dunedin with 
with that amazing song about the Irish session in the pub. And I mean, <laughs> it's uh, just such a well-written song. And his his um, his anti-war song, The Boys Are On Parade. I mean, I, quite frankly, I think that's one of the best written songs I've ever heard in my life. Uh, unbelievable. Has the the folk community been looking at how to perform online and virtually and are you, are you staying connected with people even though it's you're not able to to get into a small hall or a big hall um well personally i haven't but i i know friends of mine in the uk have been having a weekly folk club online <laughs> i'm not really into that sort of technical stuff but i mean we don't run a weekly folk club here anyway it's basically just a folk festival but and the odd concert when I've got visiting artists, and they're always from overseas, so I've got absolutely nothing on because no one can get here. So, well, let's have a let's have a session with the session. Tell us about. Can you tell us about the, the session? Song? That's one. That's one of my. That, that, that's an absolutely brilliant song. I mean, it's just absolutely so good, <laughs> and I mean, so complicated and and such. It's frenetic as well. I mean, it, it, it's sung at high tempo with complicated words, and at the same time, Marcus is playing quite an unusual um, mandola backing or bazooki backing, and it's uh, I just think it's a great song, great song. And we've all been there. We've all been to sessions <laughs> where, where this happens. <laughs> Corner up the back of an alley There's a pokey little pub That's called the raking of the moon I can't for the life of me Remember its location But be certain not to miss it If you're looking for a tune I was there a night myself On a Monday or a Thursday With a head full of directions From a man I didn't know Who had said I might be fortunate Enough to find a session So I bundled up me fiddle And I thought I'd have a go And I was there Sitting in the middle of the banjo And the bow running the bones With me fiddle And we played just like It was going out of fashion As we gave the tunes a thrashing With the passion The session to believe and that there was the chorus After pounding on the pavement for an hour and a quarter I eventually found the place that I was looking for I could tell it was the session by the way the place was rocking The music you could hear at least a dozen blocks or more Nobody objected when I asked if I could enter Though a fella knocked my hat off and stood upon his toe I saw a little gap just big enough to squeeze a bum in So I had me on upon it, I rosined up me bow And I was there, sitting in the middle of the patio and the bowen The bones of me fiddle and we played just like It was going out of fashion as we gave the tunes a thrashing With the passion of the session to flee Thank you, that was great. There were singers and musicians from the nether end of everywhere With harps and hurdy-gurdies and a clatter of castanets An ethnomusicologist from London in the corner Meeting with them with the squeaking of his portable cassettes a choir of eighty a cappella in the ladies' lavatory A brass gang of accordions squeezed around the door They even had a section for the bowerons in the basement You could tell when they were bashing the rumble through the floor And I was there, sitting in the middle of the patio with the bowerons The bones of me fiddle and we played just like It was going out of fashion as we gave the tunes a thrashing with the passion The session of the doodle diddle doodle diddle doodle diddle I like the last one 
What a fabulous festivity, a feast of famous faces Anybody who was anybody, show the body there The Celtic Literati, the Isle of Man to Brittany Were lifting up their drinking arms and letting down their hair Bewhiskered balladeers and real recording superstars A pack of pickled pipers kept the dancers on their toes And also one who looked a lot to me like Donald Lunny Another face I recognised but couldn't pick the nose I was there, sitting in the middle of the banjo and the bow Running the bones with me fiddle and we played just like Just going out of fashion as we gave the tunes a thrashing with the passion The session to the euclid, to the euclid, to the euclid, to the So with spirits elevated, we ourselves inebriated As we fiddled and we tippled and we danced a night away Till I finally departed with the publican's persuasion The yawning of the dawning of the morning of the day The throbbing in me throat, the numbness in me noddle From the bouncing of the bubbles on the bottom of me brain I've often felt a graving for a spot of Celtic graving But I fancy I've forgotten how to find the place again And I was there, sitting in the middle of the banjo And the bow run and the bones when me fiddled And we played just like going out of fashion As we gave the tune to thrash and with the passion to three Try this one again. I was there, sitting in the middle of the the banjo and the bones of me fiddled and we played just like it was going out of fashion as we gave the tune to thrash and with the passion the session to the deeple to the deeple title deeple title da at one point on the CD he apologises for his for the wordiness of his songs. I think he says, I, I apologise for the quality of my words. I've tried to replace them with, with quantity. He does yeah, write well, songs that only he could possibly sing because nobody else has got that control. Yeah, I totally agree with you. Although um, The boys are on parade, in fact. as uh, I, I didn't think anyone else could ever sing that, but th- there's one or two um, versions of that out. In fact, one done by... Irish legend Andy Irvin has become almost the d- definitive version. You know, just made made that song immensely popular in the UK and Ireland. Um, I've heard it sung, uh, but but no, a lot, quite a lot of his songs. It's very hard for anyone else to sing. I think uh, the chocolate song is very popular in Britain. I've heard that sung by several people at folk clubs, and some of them don't even know who wrote it. Do they change the names of the New Zealand chocolate bars? Um, I don't recall hearing any changes. No, that's a point. No, they probably didn't even realise what the significance of the, of the, <laughs> of the words are. <laughs> so we've seen lots of we've seen lots of sort of social changes during the the lockdown. Yes, Have you noticed anything yeah. that you you hope will stick? Um, yeah, uh, but certainly I think people are a lot more tolerant of each other. I think I think tolerant is a word I'm looking for. Um, yeah, well, we were told to be kind, and I think I think New Zealanders were actually. Uh, and uh, I mean, I, I tend to watch world news every day on BBC and CNN and one or two others. I, I delve in here, there, and I just think New Zealand really got it right, and 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 everyone did as they were told with no problems at all. And, and as a result, we basically came out of it scot-free compared to almost all other countries in the world, except one country where I go to regularly as a guide. And 
and no one's heard of, but that's Bhutan in the Himalayas. They basically got it under control from the day one as well. So, <laughs> but, but yeah, I, I, I just, uh, yeah, I just, I just thought New Zealanders became very, very um, not obedient, but tolerant of the fact that we had a problem and we all had to deal with it, which I thought was quite remarkable when you compare it to one or two countries in the world who. I won't mention who they are, but you know who I'm talking about. <laughs> <laughs> Bhutan, of course, is what it is famous for is that they went to a, a what we would call well-being a long time before yes. anybody else did. Yeah, the land of gross national happiness. Yeah. When you go there, can 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 you tell? Oh yeah, it's 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 the, it's the loveliest, friendliest, happiest country that I've ever been to. I've been there nine times now. I've taken parties there since 2004. And um, I was supposed to be there in May, but of course that got that got cancelled. I'm supposed to be now going this November, but I just, funny enough, when you phoned, I was just typing a, an email to the company in Bhutan to say that we are postponing for another year because we we're not going to get there this November. No, no way. Uh, the borders aren't going to open. Our borders aren't going to open, and Bhutan's borders aren't going to open either, because their only land border is with India, and they're certainly not going to let them in for a while. <laughs> <laughs> but no. the second worst rec- record for COVID COVID nineteen in the world now. So, so they, um, yeah, it's a it's a remarkable place. They, the, 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 being a Buddhist country, they, uh, and particularly that type of Buddhism, which is Tibetan more or less, they they respect all nature, every living thing, plants, animals, insects, birds, doesn't matter, and um, and they learn to live with. The world as it is, and not try and change it, which is unfortunately what most of the rest of the world tends to do. And, I and have they managed to there. avoid COVID as well? Well, yes, they got one. They got one case of an American tourist who came in and had it, and they they literally shut the border behind him when when he was tested and put him in Timpu Hospital, and they cured him. and And they've had about fifty cases, I think, all up. And I've heard from a very good friend of mine who's been my guide for the last five trips. He's, um, he mentioned that um, he'd just finished his third stint of voluntary quarantine duty. So, you know, people in the country are actually volunteering to man quarantine, uh, volunteering to do man quarantine stations, which I think only Bhutan could do somehow. But they, they just adore their country and their, their monarchy so much that they'll do anything to, to keep their country safe. And yeah, it's a remarkable place. And they control tourism, which uh, I think the rest of the world could learn from. They only I wonder if, numbers. I mean, every, people have been aware of this gross national happiness for a long time, and it has almost been a sort of a, a bit of a joke on the side. But I wonder if now New Zealand has moved to it, and the the kindness as the basic, the basis for our response seems to have been so successful. I wonder if that will give Bhutan and other places doing a similar thing a bit of a boost in terms of recognition. Yeah. I, I hope so. Um, I, I mean, when I go to countries like Bhutan, I've also done several trips uh, through Nepal um, and India as well. And, and as soon as you mention you're from New Zealand, we, we do seem to get an incredible response that um, certainly in, in trekking groups, that I, uh, trekking trips. Well, my first trip to the Himalayas, I went to Everest Base Camp with adventure consultants. I was only tagging along for the ride. I wasn't climbing Everest. But the message I got from all the camp staff and the Sherpas and that was that 
They just love being on New Zealand-run expeditions because they are treated as a member of the group, not as the staff. And yep. I've found this, this remark several times, that New Zealand parties tend to accept um, the other people, the, the, the local people, for what they are. Just nice, If they're nice people, they're nice people. It doesn't matter what they are, really. And so I, I think it, New Zealand seems to have a sort of attitude which, which fits in with, with the Bhutan way of looking things. That I think we are kinder than most nations, in, in my opinion. Um, and I don't think I'm looking at it through rose-tinted spectacles either. When I first came to New Zealand, I was quite amazed. Um, I'd just come from living in the Northern Territory for three years, where um, I loved it up there, but it was very, very racist. Incredibly racist, actually. And my first job in New Zealand, I was working in a in a warehouse in Patoni, and all my workmates were uh, basically Māori and Pacific Islanders. And on Friday night, we all went to the pub with the managing director and the managers and all the office staff, and everybody went to the pub and had drinks together. And I thought, after coming from the Northern Territory, I thought, this is absolutely wonderful. This is the way it should be. And, uh, you know, after work, we were all mates together. And I thought, gee, I, I, you, wouldn't, you would never have got that in Alice Springs or Tennant Creek or anywhere like that. So, <laughs> yeah, um, yeah, I think we're a lot more tolerant than a lot of other nations, personally. One of the reasons shall we take? Here. Shall we take another of Marcus's songs? Shall we take something that's a bit more raucous, probably would fit into that pub in Petoni or in Alice Springs? Shall we have Finger in Your Ear? <laughs> you know, that's that's a great song too. I, I I sung that at Worry Flat this year when we had a bar session, and it's uh, it, it, it's a very good take off of of the way folkies behave at festivals with with singing. And yeah, no, it's great. You know, very funny. Let's sing those rustic melodies of days of long ago Of halyard hauling sail I oars with fire down below And farmers' boys all apple-cheeked and rolling in the hay With one hand around their scrumpy and their lips upon a lay so raise your voice and sing the noisy chorus of a song Loud and lustful down your nostril in the old tradition With your thumb stuffed down your trouser belt A tankard full of beer And your eyes closed and your head back And your finger in your ear Oh, highwaymen were handsome then with dark and flowing hair And the maidens like the evenings were all pleasant, warm and fair And they all ran off with gypsies on a misty, moisty morn While their men were gone, all Jack or John and halfway round the horn so raise your voice and sing the noisy chorus of a song Loud and lustful down your nostril in the old tradition With your thumb stuffed down your trouser belt A tankard full of beer And your eyes closed and your head back And your finger in your ear 
Let's turn our mind to simple times and simple pleasures too. Like cockfights, badger baiting, and the Battle of Waterloo. And drinking pints of cider and then falling in a ditch. And on Sundays after worship, gathering round to burn a witch. <laughs> So raise your voice and sing the noisy chorus of a song Loud and lustful down your nostril in the old tradition With your thumb tucked down your trouser belt A tankard full of beer And your eyes closed and your head back And your finger in your ear Let's sing of how much better all things were in days of yore When a toilet had no paper, did not flush and had no door When you worked from dawn till darkness fell And all you had for lunch was some mouldy cheese, a parsnip and a ladle full of punch so raise your voice and sing the noisy chorus of a song Loud and lustful down your nostril in the old tradition With your thumb stuffed down your trouser belt A tankard full of beer And your eyes closed and your head back And your finger in your ear and though we long for days long gone of carts and sailing ships, when a broad band was black velvet and small spuds made microchips, <laughs> although we yearn, we can't return, those days are dead and gone. We can always recreate them in a boring, bloody song. So raise your voice and sing the noisy chorus of a song, loud and lustful down your nostril in the old tradition. With your thumb stuffed down your trouser belt, a tankard full of beer, and your eyes closed and your head back, and your finger in your ear. With a pint of dark and filthy in a tall and foaming glass, and your eyes closed and your head back, and your finger in your ear. Thank you very much. Bubble Sprite of the Forest of Orokanui, Dunedin's favourite goddess, Tahu Mackenzie. Kia ora koutou, nā mihi aroha nui kia koutou koutou hoa hau. I hope you're all happy with this day. Beautiful superstars in your beloved universes. And I really, really hope that wherever you are, whatever is happening around you, this journey that we're all on together is proving to be very rewarding, very fulfilling and illuminating for you more and more each day who you are. 
triumph of nature's art. Perfect, unique, and here, making things better. Thank you. So, of course, it's been a wonderful day for me being officially back in my heart's home, Orokanui Eco Sanctuary, and it's just been the most amazing day. And I've been so grateful today, of course, now that we are in Swaptember, for our ability to interact with one another and exchange constantly our ways of perceiving the world and thereby work together and co-evolve to make things happen in better and better ways and to envision new ways of being, new ways of seeing, new ways of doing, new ways of feeling together. So I've been really struck by this today and I've had such a lovely day of delivering a bird feeder as a surprise that a lady had bought for her neighbour for Father's Day, which was so nice. And we gave one to her and her son as a surprise. And this all came about because I went to visit her son's school and because they had loved all the birds coming to their garden during lockdown, they had been really inspired to create bird feeders at their school and so of course this is just a constant reminder that we are always influencing one another we're always giving each other that opportunity to do things in new ways and encouraging and supporting each other to feel safe to do things in new ways by inspiring each other and by sharing our love and our passion and our ways of doing things we make it easier for each other to see what's possible And I know that for many people at the moment, and I know for myself as well, we are being challenged to do things in new ways. We're in the midst of a global pandemic and we're having to reframe how we go about our daily lives, how we interact with each other, how we work. And of course, all these things can cause us to hesitate and feel afraid and feel that we may not have the skills required but by helping each other and working together we will see that actually all the skills that we are here for us by supporting each other and bringing out the best in it we will find those skills are there so I've been so grateful to be back with the Dream Team Supreme at Orokanoi Eco Sanctuary and just really enjoying everybody's different personalities our amazing rangers Alton and Kelly And of course, they're out in the elements all day, every day, working with the kiwi, working with the kaka, smelling like the forest, smelling so beautiful and wild and the most amazing experiences, of course, knowing the forest so well, knowing all the wild animals so well. Very special to be in their universe just for a few minutes when we can interact at work. And of course, Everybody gives this opportunity, this gift to us when we can connect with them, that we can get this little glimpse of their unique universe and our universe can learn and vice versa. So I've been so grateful for this wonderful day of the first day of September, being able to exchange all of these perceptions that are unique to us, but of course we can understand. So I hope that for you, in the midst of all this learning and co-evolution that's taking place, I really hope 
the, the viewpoints and the perspectives that you are having the opportunity to access that are coming from those around you are really, really supportive and really helpful. And you're having the opportunity to swap yours back in exchange. And I'll look forward to talking to you more tomorrow. Thank you. Kakiti. I know we've seen some novelty songs come out of COVID some things that have gone viral on, on YouTube. Do you think we're going to see a sort of a, a longer tale of, of COVID-inspired folk music? No, oh, well, I suppose so. Um, th- um, events like this normally produce a whole range of songs, particularly from folk-style musicians. I think they tend to be... Um, well, maybe they're the only ones I understand. I Sometimes I can't hear words of some of the other stuff, but... Um, yeah, I, I can't say I've heard one yet. Oh, oh, the thing I've seen on YouTube, of course, is the um, the takeoff of um, um, uh, <laughs> the lion sleeps tonight. <laughs> the the the, the, the lo- what's it what's it called? Oh, we we watched it the other day. The, the, the liar tweets tonight. <laughs> yes. <laughs> oh, <laughs> it's a, it's about a certain president. It's very very good. It's a wonderful. A wonderful um, takeoff, which Marcus was very good at, good at too, of course. You know, writing parodies to other people's songs, and one of which is actually on this album that we produced, which was the song about the Alsatian dog on his deathbed, Piddler's Green. Of course, that's a straight takeoff of Fiddler's Green. Same tune, <laughs> quite a well-known song. The Irish even call it the traditional Irish folk song, but it wasn't. It was written by a, a fellow who's become a very good friend of mine in Britain called John Connolly. He wrote in the 1960s, Fiddler's Green. And I sent him a recording of Marcus, Marcus's parody, parody of Piddler's Green, and he replied back. He said, it's absolutely wonderful. I'm going to learn it and sing it at the next <laughs> folk festival I'm at. Now, that's a credit to somebody who wrote what was well, no, it always was a humorous song, but he he thought this parody was just fantastic, so he he was going to include it in his repertoire. <laughs> what do you think we can learn from how we've responded to the pandemic for the the bigger questions that that we face, the bigger challenges of of climate change and social injustice and so on? Well, I. I hope we do take lessons because, I mean, a lot of people did comment that during during the major lockdown, um, all of a sudden that wildlife seemed to be much more prominent. It could be that that's the first time we've been able to hear it. But in actual fact, I, I actually think that, well, the planet certainly must must have had a massive boost in, 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 in the recovery during the period that virtually no traffic was running anywhere around the world. Um, yeah, I mean, climate change is a major issue, and it just really concerns me. I, I, not that many people seem to take it seriously enough. As a mountaineer, I mean, I can see it happening every time I go up in the mountains that the glacier recession is now absolutely phenomenally bad, it, it, and it's major. And I haven't been down to Antarctica as much as I've tried, but uh, I gather it's the same thing down there and also in the north at North around the North Pole region, Greenland and Svalbard and places like that. But in the Southern Alps, I mean, it's, climate change is just so obvious when you when you when you go up there regularly and see the massive changes year by year. People do take note and start to do something about it. I mean, I one of my major um, income earners when I was working as a professional folkie was was around the schools, and I was singing songs about. 
um, the environment and particularly the New Zealand native birds because I'm a very keen bird watcher and I've sung, written quite a lot of songs about our endangered birds. And I, I certainly had a... I mainly sang to primary school children and they are very much into saving or looking after the environment. I just hope that when they turn into late teenagers and adults that they don't lose that interest that I noticed was there, very, very keen. I mean, schools promoted, of course, but so I'm hopeful that it it will eventually get sorted. I just hope it's not left too late because um, I don't think we've got an awful lot of time left to actually sort this out before it's out of our control. Out of our control is what I meant do you think that music has got a, an important role in, in doing that? You're talking about using the music, engaging the kids, and the, the songs like... I think, um, I, think, I think music has a very important role in, in changing attitudes, not just in, on this subject, but on all sorts of subjects. In fact, I, I think particularly folk music, that, that's, that, that's um, probably its strongest point. I mean, the, the man that inspired me to even become a singer-songwriter... Um, when I met him in Australia in 1972 or something, was was Eric Bogle. He's well known for his song, The Band Played Walsam Matilda, but, I mean, he he just is such a caring person about all sorts of subjects. A lot of his songs are biblical, a lot of some very good environmental songs. and, And people could say what he writes about and no one would take any notice. But I think when it comes in song form... I think people do take notice, and I, I think it's a very, very important way of getting a message across. I have some questions to end the show with, and oops, not very much time, which will have to be quick. What is the biggest success you've had in the last couple of years? The last couple of years? Well, my music has sort of wound down a bit. I'm not doing an awful lot, but um, um, oh, I think just learning to cope with getting older and... <laughs> <laughs> And still, I'm still going out mountaineering. I mean, I'm I'm in my seventies now, but I'm still climbing peaks like Mount Aspiring, and when I can find someone to go with. But I have got a very good mate who's the same age bracket as me, and we we still go out and, and climb seriously. Well, we don't climb seriously because we don't do anything that's scare us anymore. Because, uh, but we certainly get out there and do things, and I, I think just you know keep going basically and, and deal deal with anything that comes up and. That sounds like a success to me. We're writing a book of these conversations. It's called Tomorrow's Heroes. It's our team of people (laughs) doing good work. So you're on our team. What is the superpower that's got you into our mansion? (laughs) I find that quite a hard question to answer, actually. um, In other words, an inspiration, really. Nature. I I think very much I'm inspired by nature, and I'm hopeful that we... We can continue to look after our environment, and I find the environment very, very inspiring. Actually, this is probably why I'm a mountaineer because I'm up there, and I just think it's a wonderful place to be. But uh, it can be in a, in a in a rainforest or something. If I'm taking people out bird watching, I, I get a buzz out of taking people to see places that I know will inspire them. Yeah, um, I don't feel like winding down at this stage, although. Do you consider yourself to be an activist? Um, yes, in, but mostly I do it through, I have done in the past, done it through my songs rather than, I tend not to, I, I don't go out and protest or anything like that. I'll write a, if something upsets me, I'll write a song about it. And hopefully one or two people will hear it and do something and, and, and think about it. 
but I think I learned that from Eric Bogle, and you know, he he was my biggest inspiration, certainly the biggest inspiration on my music. I first heard him. So until I met him, I was actually singing all sorts of rubbish. <laughs> <laughs> and, and suddenly I discovered he's a man who can be honest. I think honesty is is, is his big um, legacy. And the same probably goes for Marcus as well. I mean, his, his songs were totally honest, whatever subject he was writing about. So what challenge are you looking forward to in the next year or so? Uh, well... Um, yeah, the world is such an odd place at the moment. I, I just I, I haven't been to Bhutan for nine months, and I'm getting withdrawal symptoms. I'm just itching to get back there. I've got seven seven clients sitting in the wings waiting to go. We've already paid our airfares and everything, but they're all on hold. But we we are certainly planning to go next year rather than this year. So um, it's going to be a bit of a challenge to actually get there. But it's it's not going to be a challenge. Um, I mean, it, you know. It's such an honest country that running the trips is not complicated. Well, it is complicated, but once you know the system, it's not. But uh, yeah, any other challenges? Well, keep climbing as much as I can, get out in the hills. And, hmm. and lastly, do you have any advice for our listeners? <laughs> yeah, just just don't give up doing what you like to do. I, I think, I mean, I can say this from the point that I'm now retired, and I still do the odd bit of work, but it, I do what I enjoy doing. Therefore, it's not really work at all. And, and, and I think my advice is if you don't like your job, get something else that you enjoy doing because then it's not work at all and you're much more enthusiastic about it. I suppose that's easy to say when, when people are struggling to find work sometimes. But if you can find something, even if it's le- not so well paid as what you get now if you can do something that you really enjoy then go for it when i became a professional folk singer in 1998 my income got slashed but <laughs> i've never regretted making the move of selling my rural mail contract and and doing it because it was just so inspiring to be out there singing to not not just to, to the kids at school which, which i really got a buzz out but the, traveling around doing concerts and concerts for arts arts councils and from the country and, and and teaching them a little bit about um about their own country really i suppose because you know most of my songs are about new zealand even though you can probably tell from my accent i wasn't born here but i've been here longer than i ever lived over in the uk so i'm definitely a kiwi now i've always considered myself a new zealand in the last 30 30 years or more <laughs> do what you enjoy doing and don't worry about anything else Mawira. Um, our tenth cranial nerve, also called the vagus, uh, um, the vagus nerve, comes um, down from our brain uh, into all of our organs, and the best way to stimulate it is through singing. And people who have got a um, a high, uh, a highly stimulated nerve um, in a resting state feel compassion, gratitude, love, and happiness. Singing <laughs> inspires all those things. So if there has to be a superpower for you, then I say that's it. Thank you very much for that. Go out to the Daisy Patch. Our country heard the sound of guns, the working men and cocky sons, drop tools and plows to follow drums. Across the world were beating, full of innocence. The young men came 
with talk of glory and of fame. They never guessed the fear and pain and terror that was waiting. We gave it all our youth and our lives, kissed our lovers and farewelled our wives. We gave it all for the lies that we heard in search of fun and in search of the world. Brothers and fathers were gone in the crowd. No one thought twice to question out loud. We left our homes and all that was ours for a bed of spring flowers. You've been listening to Blowing Bubbles, positive conversations with people in their bubbles, their safe spaces around the world. Brought to you by the Sustainable Lens Team, which is brought to you by Otago Polytechnic. We broadcast on Otago Access Radio every weekday afternoon at 3 and streamed and podcast on oar.org.nz. You can find us on Facebook and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. We had a contribution today from Tahu McKenzie. I'm Samuel Mann in Soyuz Bay, Dunedin, with Mawira Karatai in Fakatani. And in Kadrona, we've been talking to the fabulous Martin Curtis. We've been talking about the new CD, Marcus Turner at Cadrona, which you can get from Martin through martincurtis.co.nz. We hope you enjoyed the show. Towards that fierce and lethal rain, the waves of brave men flooded. And as we fought towards the land, some never even got to stand upon that This podcast was produced by ORFM Dunedin with support from New Zealand On the Air.